from the Philadelphia Phillies to the New England Patriots, and everything in between. It's the John and Lebo Show, with your hosts, John Sokoloff and Alex Lebowitz. Welcome into the John and Lebo Show, John Sokoloff, joined by Alex Lebowitz. Alex, how you doing? It's uh, it's snowing in Ithaca today, but um, you know, just seeing you makes me feel so much better about it. What? Just never mind. Continue. What? Okay, I want to make you feel it's stupid for saying that. Um, it's not snowing here. It's snowed this weekend here. It was pretty bad. I had to I had to call a game on Saturday night up in uh, New Hampshire, and I couldn't go like above thirty five on the highway. So that was fun. Um, the snow's melting a little bit. It was cold as could be yesterday. Um, and it's, we're, we're like fully into the winter months, which really, really sucks. So, uh, for me, like, I, I just hate, I hate the winter so much. It's like that Daniel Toss show. Uh, it's like people from, from the Northeast who say, I just love seasons so much. It's like, yeah, I love summer. That's the one season I like, which is why I live in California. So I, I want to move somewhere where it's warm all the time. This sucks. Although I'm going to Israel in a couple of weeks, so I got that to look forward to, and it's uh, it's nice and warm there. Good, you'll so, be able to you'll be able to celebrate your heritage. I mean, I'm excited for you. Yeah, it'll be fun. You know, it's there's a lot of uh, turmoil in in, in uh, the Holy Land right now, which uh, will be interesting. Last time I went, it was not nearly as contentious. I mean, it's always it's Israel, it's always contentious, um, but there was nothing though like scandal. It's it's. It's, you know, last time I was there, it was like a day after that there was an attack, like literally where I'd been like three times during my trip, right in the old city. Um, so like I just missed it then. And now it seems like there's a lot more. It's kind of escalating, but it'll be fun. The, the Israeli government has to like sign off on, on where we go. So I'll feel safe. I think it'll be fine. I'm, All I'm right, looking forward good. to it. Good. Uh, let's get into it. So Monday night was a little bit of a shocker. Pats lost to the Dolphins, 27-20, Monday night football. But it wasn't – I mean, I think they've lost to Miami three out of the last four years. Is that right? Four, four out of the last five. In Miami. Four out of the last five. I know they beat them in Miami last year, but before – really? Wow. Yeah. I didn't know it's been that – wow, that's crazy. But, again, not everything – disregarding the exact game of everything that happened, there are two certainties. One, you can never bet on – I mean, it's really risky to to bet on divisional games – and and that anything can really happen in those divisional games. And two, the second the season's over and doesn't matter, Jay Cutler will look like Aaron Rodgers on the football team, on the football field. You better believe that, definitely. Um, so, yeah, I was, like, looking at a lot of the steamy takes on – and, you know, anytime the Patriots lose a single game, you'll see the you steamy Nick takes. Nick Wright of, FS, of yeah. FS1 come out and say, he's done, he's finished. This is I know it's the 25th time I've said this, but he's done. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. But go on. Yeah, and then, like, the NFL, one of my main problems with this league is, like, there's, like, 52 guys on every team, you know? So, any, like, right, like to win a game, I don't want to sound like a, a coach that just wants to, you know, get bailed out for losing guys. a game, for get bailed out for losing a game, but it, it's, it is hard to win, like, in the NFL. Like, I, I believe that. Like, I think that's right, and a lot of things have to go right. So, a lot of fans, and we've both done this, too, after a game – uh, it'll go one way and people will be like, oh, yep, well, this team stinks now and this team's good just because of that one game, you know, and and it's pretty annoying. But not not even just that, but with the Pats, obviously, they get that the most because so many people want to see them not be good anymore and all that all that kind of stuff. But here's the, here's the truth of the matter. Like, I I don't know why Brady got, got so much of a hit for this game because he took a lot of hits. 
I was watching that. Yeah, he got hit almost not every play, but if you're getting hit that often, it's going to affect any quarterback. I don't care who you are. It's going to affect any quarterback. So, and, and another thing is, the Patriots don't lose two games in a row. Since 2012, I think they've lost back-to-back games twice, and that was both in 2015 with all of their receivers hurt. I think their best receiver was Brandon LaFell that time. So I, I think that they're not going to lose. This is what I tweeted about the other day. The next game that they're going to end up losing, if they lose another game, will be in the Super Bowl. I'm very much so considering putting heavy money on the spread in Pittsburgh this week. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think um, there's cause for concern. I'm not as optimistic as you are. It's the really the past three weeks, the offense has not looked very good. I mean, relative, in relative terms. Who did they have the last two before Miami? Um, before Miami, they had uh, the Bills, and then before that, they had um, – God, my mind's going. I forget who it was two weeks ago. But I know that the offense was not looking great either of those weeks. I'll try to find that for you right now. Uh, they played the Dolphins before that. The, yeah, it was the Dolphins. And it was the pass rush that was getting to to Brady. It's the offensive line, really. Um, and there's – I mean, for me, it's, it's I'm, I'm very frustrated when this type of stuff happens with the Patriots because they just – they draft – they, they they fill out their offensive line through the draft. They've always done that. And they've done a decent job of it. I think they should invest more money in it. You right. have your quarterback who is, you know, not getting any younger, and when he gets banged up, that's when he does not play well. That's the you look at every game uh where Brady's, you know, been on Brady like, he's been getting he gets pressure. It's when the, the pass rush gets to him. And that's what happened on Monday night with the Patriots. The pass rush was getting to him because you had Marcus Cannon, who was out, and he's out for the season now. He's on the IR. You didn't have any Gronkowski, who's another, uh, not only just a great target, but a good blocking tight end. Uh, and they just were not looking good on all cylinders. They weren't communicating well. They weren't doing what they were supposed to do uh, on, bo- on, on all phases, on all sides of the balls. I got a question, though, real quick, before, before you get yeah. into it. So we saw that when Brady loses big-time games, that's like the main, not kryptonite, but that's the main thing that defenses do well. When they get to them, that's how you beat them. And there have been a lot of times where teams have gotten to them and they didn't beat them. But yeah. let's face it, he extends plays extremely well, but he's not quite as good at it anymore as he was. We saw in the I think he's better. I think he's better at it, honestly. But he's not moving as well. He can't move around. I the think he is. I think he's. I don't think. I don't think he's. He's faster or anything. I think he has way better pocket presence now than he did three, four, five years ago. Uh, I think that he knows well, when he to won't. step he up. He won't if he keeps getting hit. If he keeps getting hit, he won't. I don't know. I think he's got. I think. I think pocket presence isn't about athleticism. It's just about the intangible. It's about awareness. Uh, and I think he, that is not a a skill that will really diminish with with age. You know, unless the CTE gets to him so I, I don't I don't know if I agree with that to be honest but I, I, yeah, I don't know uh, finish your point sir yeah I, I was just gonna say so whatever and then against Atlanta he was getting hit a lot in that first half in the second half a, a little a little less but say that you know they get into the playoffs let's say they finish number one number two whatever and let's say that they have to play against Jacksonville at home yeah a Jags defense that's having a historic season so many sacks Calais Campbell is a monster. So say they have to play the Jags. Does that like a cause for concern? Are you absolutely? Is that like a, in New England? Because if they lose at home to Jacksonville in the playoffs, I don't care how good that that defense is. That's that, that's a big hit. And then all the steamy takes will continue to come. Listen, I, I think that they would win against the Jaguars in New England. There's a chance if they lose to the Steelers that they would be playing in the in the uh, wild card round. So. 
We don't well, even know the second seed. Who who would be the would, second seed? It would be the, it, it would be the Jaguars if they win this oh, weekend okay. and the Patriots lose. The Jaguars would be the number two seed. The Patriots would be the number three seed in the AFC. So you, you can see the opposite. You see them in in Jacksonville. You see, I, I think Adam Gase is a good coach. I think that he had a really good game plan on Monday. I think that he knew what he was planning on doing going in. I think he knew three weeks prior or two weeks ago after he played the Patriots the first time. <clears throat> Jay Cutler didn't look like Jay Cutler. He looked like um, just he always randomly does this. It's so annoying. Right when I'm like, all right, I hate this guy. I don't, I don't want to I mean, look I at him. Sometimes him. I try to bail him out. Sometimes I try to bail him out, and then he does that. But, but I, I think. I, I would be concerned a little bit. I don't think they'd lose a playoff game in New England against the Jaguars. I, that said, I think the Jaguars are their toughest matchup. I think because specifically that pass rush. The offensive line is not that good. They just don't have a good offensive line. So if they have to play Jacksonville uh, in New England, I would pick the Patriots. I think that they'd win it by a decent margin. I don't think play decent. Border. I would think they'd win like a sloppy game, like a sixteen to nine type of game. I don't know. It's the playoffs. I, I, I would trust the Patriots coaching. I would trust Tom Brady in that stage. And you'd also have Chris Hogan, who would be healthier by that point. You know, assuming he stays healthy these next few weeks, Gronkowski would be back, uh, and you'd have multiple targets, not just Brandon Cooks as your number one, who who proved to be pretty soft on on Monday. So I would still pick the Patriots. Uh, who's their coach? Doug Marone. They they're not I they're just not they're a young team. I don't think they're nearly as disciplined as the Patriots. The one thing the Pats do is they win games that they should with the exception of this past week, but I I think you can look at the injuries that they had um and, and kind of understand why the game went the way it did. The Jaguars are not a very good team. They they haven't beaten a ton of great teams and they have a lot of talent. But that doesn't mean they're well coached and that they can they can beat a, a, a team that's on the level that the Patriots are. So I want to be worried about that. I think the Patriots are still going to the Super Bowl. I think this game's more of a one off than anything. Uh, and, and again, this is the theme of the NFL season. They're benefiting from a, a weak year. So yes, their offensive line is not looking that great this season, uh, and and their defense is is underwhelming on paper. Uh, but they are by far like way, like not even close the best coach team in the NFL, and they have the best quarterback of all time, along with Gronk, who will be healthy, um, and 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 just some a decent backfield. So, yeah, I'm not, I'm not that worried. I, I think that they'll be fine come playoff. I, I think I think you're selling the Jags a little too short, saying they haven't beaten a good team. They beat the Ravens, who are a playoff team. They oh, beat the Steelers. Oh, the Ravens. They they're, beat they're, the Steelers. They're seven and seven. They beat the Steelers thirty to nine. Uh, on the back road. in like week two, and the Steelers have also lost. They almost lost to the Packers, led by Brett Hundley at home. The, all these teams are not good. The Patriots are, are by far the best team in the AFC. Um, I don't think there's one team that's a sure thing. If there is, it is the Patriots. So I'm going to stick with them. They lost one game to the Dolphins this weekend, this past week, that they should have won because the Dolphins aren't that great of a team. Uh, but you compare that loss to the other bad losses that teams like the Steelers have had this season. And and teams like I don't even know who else who else is there the, the the Jaguars I don't know they've had worse losses this season and they've lost to worse teams than the Dolphins so I don't think I I'm not going to read too deep into it I'll I'll give you this okay yeah I, I think you you do have a, a good amount of confidence in the team but I'll tell you this man I I think they're going to win Sunday but if they don't win Sunday and the Steelers clinch um number one in the AFC then it's not a sure thing. Nothing's a sure oh, thing after that. They have to win. If they win. If they win Sunday, sure thing, fine. I'm all on board with the sure thing. If they lose, I'm not saying anything's a sure thing if you have to go on the road in the playoffs. I'm sorry. Are the odds in their favor to win? Probably. 
But it's not a sure thing at that point. Well, well, that's why, and and I should clarify. I think they're going to go into Pittsburgh and win this weekend. I I don't see them losing two games in a row. And and I I look at you look at the track record for the Patriots when their backs against the wall when they they come off bad performances like this they respond. So I'm going to go off of that. Gronk will be back. That alone is huge. The Steelers do not have nearly as good of a, of a defense or pass rush as the Dolphins do, or the Jaguars. I'm more concerned about the Jaguars than I am the Steelers, to be honest, just because of the defense. I'm, I had, the, the Pats have owned the Steelers. When was, exactly. The Steelers ever, well, what's Big Ben's record against New he's England won, in the I playoffs? 0-5? Oh, yeah, he's never won against them in the playoffs, and I think he's beat them twice in his career. So, um, if that. So, I'm not concerned about the Steelers this weekend. I think they'll go in there. They'll win it. Maybe it's a close game. But I think the Patriots will look much more sound. Um, I'm, I'm more concerned about the offensive line. I don't think the offensive line is going to be uh, the offensive line moving forward. That is, I don't think this weekend is going to be a game where that's going to be much of a much of an issue. Yeah, I think you're right. All right, you want to move on to uh, yeah. the deal heard around the world? John Carlos Stan going to <clears throat> the uh, the Yankees. A lot of fun. Great stuff. Two hundred sixty million dollars. That they're giving, they're paying like all that contract. There were some pros and some cons to this deal, I guess, for the Marlins. Um, it kind of sucks with his no trade clause. I don't think, just in terms of like the long term deal, but also just the fact that how powerful the deal is too, in the sense of there's no team option in that deal. Like he has a no trade clause, so and there's no team option. There's a player option, but. Unless he wins four World Series for the Yankees and hits 330 every year and he can get more money, why would he opt out? I think that's, um, so this is really a weirdly dominant deal. And another reason why, like, remember Greinke's deal with the Diamondbacks? Yeah. Like the six year, whatever, 230 million or whatever he got. Two, he doesn't, two, yeah. he doesn't have a no trade clause in that deal. I found that to be a little odd. I found that to be a little strange. So they could just ship him off whenever, which is, uh, really good for the Diamondbacks. No- it's because they'll probably trade into like a small market like Tampa Bay and be like, yes, yes, I get out of this big Arizona market. Um, yeah, this deal. Yeah, what are your thoughts on it? Because obviously I have it on the, the Red Sox. I know you wanted the Red Sox to, to trade out for them. And the reality is like these contracts, I was talking about this with the, our friend Connor Weingarten the other day. These contracts are, are problems, are real problems for other teams that really just can't afford it or going over the, uh, like the tax or whatever and, and all that stuff. And the Yankees have had contracts like this that turn out to be headaches five years down the road. And yeah, they're a little bit of headaches and they'd like to move them. But if they're not able to, the truth of the matter is it's not a matter for concern for teams like this. I mean, they're like, let's be honest. They were going to, they're going to pursue Bryce or Sue Bryce Harper or Manny Machado next season, which then they would have been, they would have gotten more money than what John Carlos Stanton has on his contract right now. So this deal makes too much sense for them. I mean, it's a no brainer. You got a guy who's the best power hitter, probably the best pure, not the best pure hitter, but the best power hitter in the MLB. Uh, you pair him with the second best power hitter in the MLB and you have the deadliest lineup in the MLB. So this is, this was a no brainer. They had to give up Starlin Castro and two mid-level prospects. I mean, I just think it's ridiculous how a trade like this can happen in the first place. Uh, I'm more, I'm more bummed out that Dave Dombrowski didn't pursue it. I, I think that just shows the incompetence of the Red Sox. Uh, ownership, because I think that's more on them than Dombrowski. Uh, that, but that's just speculation on my part. But what are your, what are your thoughts with the whole Yankees? Like say, say four years, his first four years, he does very solid. 
And then obviously he opts in to the contract after that. And then he has eight years left. And then let's say like year six into the deal, he's hitting 220 with like 25 home runs. That's Here's, like. But the thing is, how much is, how much is he making per year? Because he's 28 making mil. 28 million a year. Guess what? So you're talking six years down the road. That's not going to be an outlandish number. That's going to be a lot of money. But the mo- people will be making over $40 million a year, the high-end players by that point. You're right. You're right. So it's like Rick Porcello with the Red Sox. I love using this example. They signed him three years ago to like a four-year $82 million deal or something, and people are like, this guy has not proven anything. He's proven nothing. He's been he's been a bum. Um, and his first year, yeah, he, he was a bum. The next year out, he won the Cy Young, and this most recent year he sucked again. But still, it's worth it. You got a Cy Young year out of the guy, and, and – you know, in the context of what the market is, relative to the market, they, it's not that bad of a deal. It's not that it's to have a three starter who's making eighteen to twenty-two million dollars a year isn't that crazy. So to have your your second your best hitter making twenty-eight million dollars dollars a year, or maybe at that point your fourth best hitter making twenty-eight million dollars a year, yeah, it would be it would be overpriced. It'd be too much, but it's not outlandish, and it's not something that will kill your team, especially if you have a payroll. As much as as big as the Yankees do, so I, I don't I don't think that's an issue. I think that should be the least of their concern. They they have a young core now. They yeah, are they legitimate are World scary. Series they contenders. They they were legitimate World Series contenders last year. Came, came, come playoff time, they're probably they're probably one of the top three favorites this season. They need work on their pitching staff, but their lineup's set. They have a legitimate chance of winning now. So you make that deal now. And 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 it should work out for them. I think they should come away winning a World Series eventually with the roster that they have. For, they have uh, they have in front of them. I just and, think it's it's a horrible trade. It's a horrible. Uh, it's like the uh, it's like when Chris Paul was going to the Lakers and they vetoed that. It's it's. I I think it. The guy had a no trade clause and he pretty much controlled his own destiny. And the Marlins settled because they didn't want to deal with the con the the headache of that contract. Um, and now they're stuck with. You know, Starlin Castro, who's okay, and a couple prospects who probably won't do anything substantial in their career. No, yeah, they're they're definitely rebuilding for sure right now. But did you see uh, Jeff Passan, a really good uh, baseball writer, yep. wrote an article about like the process and the Marlins? The Marlins basically try to back Stanton's, uh, try to push Stanton's back to the wall and say, "Look, yeah, he you called their bluff. Accept, you you don't accept this trade to the Cardinals or the Giants, you'll be a Marlin for life." And he was like, "Yeah, try me," and. Then yeah, I mean that. Then they ended up getting much worse for him. And I mean, look, that's like, well, yeah, you could say, yeah, that guy is wrong for trying to bully his way, whatever. But yeah, you gave him that no trade clause. He has the right to decide where he wants to go if he wants to go somewhere. But and, I and I'm good. I also want to say this because uh, just just a side note. I don't think Stanton's that like. I don't know if he's like necessarily a great teammate. And this isn't me doing spin zone. I think he's he might be a little bit of an a hole. I, like I, I think he might be a little bit of an a hole. He's and probably got a big ego because of the three hundred million dollar contract. Absolutely, her. and we don't know how he'll adjust in in, in New York. You know, I, I've seen a lot of athletes come to Boston, and maybe it's because the, the Red Sox are just a worse run organization and they can't handle this stuff. Um, but they crumble. They crumble in 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 this market. David Price is doing it as we speak. So I'm 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 kind of uh, curious to see how he'll adjust to a New York market coming from um, a city that shouldn't have a baseball team. And I think a lot of it's going to be on Aaron Boone too to really just like get this, get these guys together. But what if like okay in Miami he's the guy like they've got a lot of other solid players and unfortunately with the tragic death of Jose Fernandez he's even more of the guy now. So maybe that's why his ego is so big. He's the face of the franchise. Now you come to New York where 
You've got other huge names there, and you have to work really to be the face of that franchise. Maybe that'll give him a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. No, I, I mean, mean, I don't think I don't think that's going to be a problem. I think it's just the the media scrutiny and having the, oh yeah that presence not in there nearly as tough as Miami. Yeah, and, and I don't think it's about sharing the spotlight with anyone because he's the reigning NL MVP. I, I think he's going to be the most talked about player in that clubhouse regardless, even more so than, than Aaron Judge, especially because he's a little bit more of a controversial figure. Like, Judge is like a boring guy, I think. I, I, he's just like a, you know, vanilla, plain, just goes out there, hits, like nice, nice likable guy. No one's really going to be out to get him. Stanton, being on the Yankees now, forcing that trade, he's going to have a target on his back. and and. I don't know how he's going to handle the scrutiny from that New York media uh, always barking at him, uh, especially if it gets to a point where, one, he's hurt and, and the injury woes come back, or, two, he doesn't perform like he did uh, in Miami. If he Imagine if he only hits 42 home runs, 43 home runs this year. They'll be all over him, and that's crazy to think that that would be. The Yankee tough. fans are brutal. They're brutal. Well, they also are, are, they also are self-important and think that they, you know, that they're like the, the Yankees, it's the Yankees. It's not that anymore. He went there because he wanted to be out of Miami. He would have chose other teams too. So uh, I like the, the what's that? The the Japanese pitcher Shohei Otuna. Shohei Otani, who has torn Otani. like ligaments in his elbow now. Yeah, and remember how the Yankees fans were like, "What a what a pussy! He didn't want to come to New York. Screw that guy! Like, he, why do you want to be a Yankee? Like, maybe because you guys suck. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but anyway, I don't know. We'll we'll see. We'll see how Stan does. I, he's a great hitter. He'll probably be a great hitter in New York. Just, it was a, a no-brainer trade for the Yankees, even if he doesn't end up doing well. You didn't give up much to ta- to, to get him, and you would have signed him in, in free agency anyway. So look at it that way. I just also want to talk about the Marlins because, again, yeah, it's it stinks because I think if they had Jose Fernandez still, they would still be a team that would not have made any of these moves and still building around maybe trying to sign another pitcher and push – for the World Series. Yeah. I mean, like, look, that outfield is one of, if not the best, it's arguably the best outfield in baseball, the one that they had of Ozuna, Stanton, and Yelich, especially yeah. last season. D. Gordon, a great player. They just shipped him off to the Mariners. And the true death of Fernandez, so now they've got Christian Yelich there sitting with his dick in his hand with, with a very uh, team-friendly contract, and he's he, he can't leave. He's got nowhere to go because they're, they're going to want to keep him with that. I don't know. They, they handled this very poorly, and again, the thing that was the worst is they traded away. I saw a tweet. They traded away John Carlos Stanton and Ozuna yesterday to the um, Cardinals. Stanton, a 280 hitter who hit 59 home runs and MVP, and Ozuna who hit 320, and they didn't even get an MLB top 100 prospect out of it. Like, if you're going to oh, rebuild, do it right. Don't just force everyone out and just force it the second you can. Like, try well, to get something. That should give you insight as to why John Carlos Stanton wanted out. It's a horribly run organization. Now they bring Jer- Derek Jeter in, and they're like, "Oh, he's going to be the savior." The guy's never been in the front office before, and and the reality is, he's just a, he's just the face. So this is it's just a shit organization that relocated that that rebuilt uh, built a new stadium when they didn't even have a fan base to come out and, and to watch their games. No one goes to Miami Marlins games. It's one of the worst organizations in all of sports, and and making moves. Sure. In, in, in terms of attendance, in terms of, of, of front office competency, they're one of the worst organizations. They're dumb. They will never get to a point where they're good. They, that wouldn't have been different if Jose Fernandez was still alive, and it wouldn't be different if Giancarlo Stanton and Ozuna were still on that team. 
They suck. It's a poorly run organization, and they, and they really have been since since Dave Dabrowski left. And and um, still, like, look, Ozuna was facing arbitration. I think next year, Stanton's contract is massive. That's definitely something to think about. But at the same time, the contracts aside, you you can finesse this a little better. Those two guys are great players. You can get more for them. Don't don't settle. You know. Well, what they should have done. What they should have done. Is- yeah. I don't, they should have gone on the phone more. I feel like they were Here's too, the thing, dude. They were too, they were too, um, scared because they were like, okay, we gotta trade Stanton now because his stock is by far at his highest. So when is it gonna be higher? He just hit 59 homers and, and was the MVP. When's his stock gonna get higher than that? So they felt rushed to just dump him out. Yeah. And, and they didn't get anything for it. When his, when his value was, was at an all time high, you know, after he's coming off his second straight season of playing pretty much every game, uh, he's a guy who has injury rows. The most they can get was Sterling Castro and two mid, mid-tier, uh, middle of the pack, uh, prospects. It's, it's just, I, I'm, I'm stunned that they got as little as they did. They got fleeced, uh, because they let Stanton bully them and good for Stanton for getting what he wanted. The guy, it's a, he, he should try to do what's best for him and ended up working out for him. So good for Stanton. Uh, Marlins are going to be, among the worst franchises uh, for a very long time. And I don't think they're going to bounce back like the Astros did. I'll tell you that much. I don't think so either. Um, yeah. You want to move on? I want to, I want to talk about something. So you've heard of like the room, right? The movie that's like widely considered like the worst movie of all time with like, I Tommy did not, Luka. I did not yeah. kill her. I did not, I did not hit her. Oh, hi Mark. Yeah. yeah. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's really, it's really strange. And the other night I, I saw that, like, I've heard a lot about this, like being in it together. There's a lot of like film students who, Talk about this movie a lot, and like They're the story of it's so weird. Yeah, I know, right? But um, <laughs> so I'm I'm like looking at it, I'm like okay, yeah, like this this sounds like pretty cool. Like I I heard it so bad, but I was like, yeah, let me watch it like with a friend group of people I can laugh at this with because I hear it's so bad. And I'll tell you this: it was like an hour and twenty minutes. Uh, by an hour long, I was waiting for it to be over. It was funny, and it was so bad. And I read like the book about the movie. It's basically just about this guy and all the dialogue in it. It, it sounds like everyone's like foreign, even though even like the people from America. The guy Tommy Wiseau is such a nut that in interviews he's clearly from Poland or whatever, Eastern Europe. He, yeah, yeah, he's obviously like from from Europe, but he says he's from New Orleans. He's he's definitely not all right in the head. I'm an all-American guy. I'm from New Orleans. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. Like whatever, whatever he says, it's either it's either a compulsive lie or you just can't even really understand what he's talking about. And he put six million dollars into making this movie. Not even, no one has a clue where it came from. My guess is, it probably, my friend told me this the other night, it makes sense. Maybe like his parents like died and left him a ton of money and that was probably it. And it made $1,800 in the box office, but obviously now it's famous for being so bad. So Seth Rogen, his production company bought like the rights to like the book because the guy that played Mark in the movie wrote a book about it. He bought the rights like to it and he had James Franco direct it, starred in it. And I'm going to see the disaster artist tomorrow, so I haven't seen it yet, but apparently it does it perfectly. And it really just, I don't know. Apparently, like, they do the job well. And it's just so funny. It's funny how bad it is. Like, this guy is such a weirdo, such a psycho. And he wears, like, five belts at all times just randomly around his body. He always wears these, like, weird, like, aviator sunglasses. He's, it's strange. I can't wait to see Franco, like, portray him. I think he did. The two of them were on Kimmel the other night. And I think, um, I think he did a good job doing it. I'm excited to see it. Seth Rogen's in it. The Franco brothers are yeah, in it. They were on uh, Tommy Wiseau. Wiseau, is it Wiseau? 
Yeah, I think. Sure. Yeah, he was on um, – him and, and Franco were on Howard Stern, and James – and Howard Stern had James Franco interviewed Tommy Wiseau as Tommy Wiseau. <laughs> so I was like, <laughs> where do you get your ideas? Like, it is just like these two freaks going at it. Um, but it was uh, – yeah, it looks like a really funny movie. I, and I feel like whenever Seth Rogen and James Franco – do something together, it's just gold because they have right. it always is. hilarious chemistry. Um, and the fact that the number two, the supporting actor is Dave Franco, I think that's all, also interesting. Like, cause it's the two closest player people in the film. Um, and, and since James Franco is heavily made up, you can't tell, you wouldn't think that they're brothers. So I, I think it was, it looks like it was casted really well. Um, and it looks like it's going to be a really, really funny movie. But it's not even it's not a comedy. It's it's a, it's it's more like a drama comedy type of thing. It's not just a straight up comedy. Uh but yeah, I, I can't wait to see it. I gotta watch the room first. Yeah, but watch it, make sure you watch it with like a group of friends so you can all laugh. I don't yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not watching it by myself. Yeah, don't it's yeah. Not, it's not, not as worth it. I've seen scenes from it. I saw the scene on the roof where they're talking, and it's like this weird vampire European guy was put in this teen drama. That like he he's so out of place in like it's as if he just dressed in his same old wardrobe and like they they got a stand in to to do the role of a guy who should have been someone else. I don't know. It seems like a weird. It seems like a weird movie by a, a delusional guy. And there's like um, four four sex scenes in it that are at least six minutes each too. That's so funny. <laughs> it was so it's like a porno kind of too. It's it's really it's really odd. But um, the guy that wrote the book who plays Mark, he has like a Seth quote. Rogen. Uh, no, Seth Rogen plays, like, the director in the movie. I think Dave Franco plays Mark. But I'm talking about, like, the actor that actually played Mark, yeah, yeah. who wrote the book, said, The Room seems like a movie that an alien made who's never actually seen a movie but has heard descriptions of movies in great detail. And that makes so much sense when you watch the movie. It was just – because, like, like uh, there are a lot of, like, talking points that never get developed that are there for no reason that would, in most cases, in most, like, depictions of – like uh, events or whatever in films like that, they would foreshadow like forecoming things. But in this, they just say it like, oh, okay. And like, that's it. <laughs> they just say it. They just put it out there. Like at one point, the mother, the grandmother goes, I have breast, oh, honey, the worst news I got today. I have breast cancer. And then that's it. Never that's talk about it again. It's so lazy. I, 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 in the, in the, um, trailer for the disaster artist, um, they, he was, it was Seth Rogen and he's like, this set looks exactly like the alley outside. He's like, yes, yes, I made the movie set exactly like the alley. He's like, we could have just shot in the alley. <laughs> He's like, yeah, but we got the movie set because that's how you make movies. It's just like, it's so, it's, it looks really funny. I feel like, uh, I feel like it's going to be one of the better movies of the year. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm definitely going to watch it. I never go to the movies, but that's one that I'm, I'm, I'm probably going to, I'm probably going to head over for. Yeah, Seth Rogen, man, he just kills it in the box office. He's worth like fifty million now or something. He just—he's got to be right. Like, like when you look it up, like the last ten years, like ten years before, it would be like a lot of different movies. But nowadays, like the top grossing movies are either Seth Rogen films or like superhero movies. Yeah, crazy yeah. how it's changed. But um, yeah, Seth Rogen, Adam Sandler, superheroes. Oh god. But um, all right. So I think that's gonna do it. Uh, if you have any any final thoughts, um, it's gonna be an interesting game this weekend. I'm expecting the Patriots. I can't to wait it. for it. It'll be fun to watch. Um, yeah, I don't think I got I got anything else. Um, yeah, that's about it. Uh, we'll be back here next week, same time. You're listening to the John and Lebo show. Make sure to check out BoneheadPicks.com. 
Show's posted there, SoundCloud, iTunes, and Stitcher, if you're probably listening here on one of those platforms. But have a good weekend.